0: Welcome to another episode of Home in the Know. I am small victory Selena, and I, I'm going to talk about my small victories uh, now. I don't know why I needed to preface it. I could have <laughs> just gone into it. <laughs> I don't know, but here I am prefacing things. I'm just excited because, okay, two big things happen. One, and I'm trying to loop Corey into this. Um, I'm assembling a DEI team. And not D.I.E., because that would be so dire, (laughs) but it's diversity, equity, and inclusivity team for the tech startup that I am part of. Um, And I'm really excited. We're going to try and code away discrimination. Woohoo! Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we're going to talk to our engineers and stuff about it. And we're also going to try and figure out how we can do that with our team generally so we do the best that we can. In this constantly evolving environment of uh, what what we need to be aware of and how we learned how to be good people. Because so I feel like you always you just got to stay learning. You got to be on yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Always <laughs> evolving.
0: I'm full of the burps. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I hope somebody is really into the ASMR tones of my burps. <laughs> if you are, please write to us. How want yes. know at gmail.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing is that, um, oh God, I feel like so on the fence about talking about this because it feels very like, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Oh. But um, I got hit up by one of the senior editors at Simon & Schuster about writing a book.
1: And what?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I might have a book deal, guys. But, okay, so I still am working on my full proposal, and then they're like, after you have the proposal and you get an agent, then we will start bidding on the work and stuff like that. So,
1: holy shit. That is a holy shit. That's yeah. not a really big holy shit. <laughs>
0: yeah. Simon and Schuster slid into my DMs. <laughs> I just have to say that. So, I'm very, I'm very excited, feeling very grateful for that. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm slutty like a Sunday morning, Corey.
0: Ooh. Yeah, slutty Sunday morning. Mhm. You know? Slutty after
1: that Saturday night nastiness. Yeah. Saturday nasty. <laughs> you wake up and it's slutty Sunday. Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I, that's like, you know, it's what I want, it's what I need. Uh, <laughs> doesn't happen as much as I it could. You know what? It's weird. It's weird. It could happen more in my life, and yet it does not. just I don't know. my sex is mostly work in my life. Right that's now.
1: real. I mean, like you get a lot of it at <laughs> work I do. I do. so it's like it's like you come home and you're like, maybe we don't have sex and yeah. and like, you know, like cuddle on the couch. Maybe we
0: have intimacy and cook a nice dinner. <laughs>
1: oh my god, that that's sexy to me. like let's like Slutty bake dinner. something
0: <laughs>
1: let's bake together yeah baby. that three-tiered cake
0: oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> delicious um, um so we're here it's three minutes in we haven't even introduced our no. guest He's being so patient we're here with alice scary hello
2: hello 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 how are
1: you today i'm good how are y'all Amazing. Glad to have you on the podcast. Every episode, we begin with a segment we call Historical Hoes. And this week's historical hoe is Miss Major Griffin Gracie, better known as Miss Major. I get a lot of my information from Wikipedia, CBC Radio, sfonline.barnard.edu, sfweekly, and them.us. Miss Major was born on October 25, 1940, on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. Growing up, she was told by her family that she was far too feminine, and her bodily autonomy was often threatened because she was a trans girl, although not yet having that understanding about herself. And to this day, she is estranged from her family. She eventually joined the ball scene in Chicago and began to question her gender. In the late 1950s, she eventually came out as a woman. She played a key role in the Stonewall Riots. She recalls that it was someone's birthday, and when the cops came to shut the party down, none of the bar patrons would move because they were sick of the policing of their queerness. Her strongest memory is of beating up on the police and being cheered on by the other protesters. She was taken into custody after having her jaw broken by a police officer. Because she was trans and black in the 1960s, she didn't have many options as far as employment, so she turned to sex work and theft to fund her transition and overall survival. She would use her feminine wiles to charm the front desk workers at motels while her accomplice would boost valuables from the rooms, or she would distract shopkeepers by being black in public while her white friends would steal items and they would resell those for a profit. She experienced violence from police as well as Johns while she hooked. She was eventually jailed for five years for breaking into a safe. She went to Clinton Correctional Facility, also known as Little Siberia, and there she met some of the leaders of the Attica prison riots, namely Big Blacksmith. She was encouraged to read up on Black history and expand her political knowledge. It was during this time she gained a greater understanding of the prison industrial complex and the violence it perpetuates in black and POC communities. While out on parole, she decided to femme herself up by getting her nails done and putting makeup on. And when she went in to see her parole officer, she was violated for changing her appearance and marked a deviant and put back in prison. She got on parole once more and her parole officer said she was going into a deviant bar and was put away again. She finished out her sentence and when she finally got out, she had a crisis of self and questioned her gender once more, but found her footing eventually being comfortable being a woman. In 2003, she joined the transgender, gender variant intersex justice project and is often credited as one of its founders. TGIJP helps trans and intersex folks who are or were imprisoned. They provide resources and transitional support. While she has stepped down from her leadership position, she continues to fight for trans liberation to this day. And at the age of 80, she was seen marching in the Black Lives Matter protests this past summer. And that is the riveting life of Miss Major. So, I know you through Lauren Kylie, who we had on a couple weeks ago, and I always love talking to other NBs in the industry, especially NBs who are, like, very much make it a part of their work that they're non-binary, um, mm. and so I wanted to start by talking to you about that, and so when you started in the industry, did you start as an out NB person, or...
2: I sure did not. I have been locked tightly and painfully into the gender closet for about 14 out of my 15 years in the industry. And uh, just to kind of dump it all out there, I was intending to stay in that closet until I retired. And one day I just couldn't take it anymore. And I had a little breakdown and I came out and I've been foraying deeper and deeper out of that closet ever since. What was the turning point for you? So I came out to all of my friends and family outside of the industry probably three or four years ago now. And I was kind of dragged out of the closet by my loved ones who were tired of misgendering me and causing me uh, dysphoria constantly. Um, They were, you know, sort of always tugging on my, my coat sleeves, sort of like, hey, you know, maybe we could use they, them pronouns for you in private and, you know, switch to she, her when you're at work. And so I started doing that, and I was really scared to be outed um, during that time. Uh, A lot of my clients have huge fears of being gay,
1: of being bisexual.
2: Mm. And so I was so afraid to lose my client base and my income source um, that I was like, like in a panic over it constantly to be outed and for them to find out and be threatened and, you know, see someone else and so on and so forth. Um, and I got to a point where I was starting to introduce some of my, you know, industry friends to my family who had become kind of close enough. And I had to face like, do I tell my closest loved ones to misgender me when my coworkers are over? Um, and obviously, that didn't feel good to them, and so they're, you know, trying to figure out how to just not pronoun me in front of people, and mm. it was just too much to juggle. And I started crying one day, curled up in the bathtub, took a hot bath, and posted on Twitter. And I was like, "I'm not a girl. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Aw, that's so good. Yeah. yeah how was the was- reception?
2: It was completely great the first day. I mean, I was shocked, first of all, by how many of my colleagues DM'd me and said, Hi, I'm in the closet too. And um, some of them were trans men, some of them were non-binary and, you know, just were outing themselves to me privately just so that I would know I wasn't alone. I was amazed by how many of my cisgender co-workers were just very firmly allies at that time and were, you know, defending my pronouns and, you know, uh, doing whatever they could to be inclusive. Um, it, it definitely went a lot better than I think it could have. Um, I, don't, I don't think it would have been as friendly a reception 10 years ago, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... So how did your, sort of, your family take it? Or was it the same? Was it different? Or do you have, do you engage with your family?
2: I, so I do engage with my family. I um, have a complicated relationship with my family, as most people do. But one of the ways in which it is not complicated is that my biological parents are both poly and queer um, oh, wow oh, so, okay. holy shit yeah, <laughs> Hell so, yeah and i also have an adoptive mother who is also um queer and poly and so literally
1: what the wait, grab bag excuse
0: me
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's um and uh, by the way none of them are queer and poly together i mean these are just completely separate orbits here <laughs> wow um in fact <laughs> i actually have a, a quite off color story of being 13 years old and my biological mother and father who were separated and getting divorced at that time, um, we're catching up over breakfast the day after new year's Eve. And they'd been at a new year's Eve party and they'd both made out with the same man that night. And they were, you know, joking and laughing about it together playfully while I'm, you know, 13. So I'm like, Sitting there, ready to vomit, not because I care that they made out with the same man, but because you don't want to hear your parents talking Talk about, about making out with anyone when you're 13. Like I was just saying, like oh please God. let let this end. Wow. <laughs> um, but suffice it to say, I, I didn't even have to come out as far as being queer when I was younger. I was never expected to be straight, um, so I didn't have to be like, oh, you know, hey, I'm I'm by or I'm pan or whatever. I just brought home a girlfriend and it was nothing. Um, I also, you know, I, w- I would say if anything, they were more shocked when I brought home a dude for the first time. They were just like, oh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's uh, okay. That's Not interesting
1: a- <laughs> choices.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. Why would you do that to us? <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I don't know why they're surprised because they're both bisexual. So, I mean, you know, but, but still, the you know, I guess – I just happened to be with women and then I happened to be with a man and they were like, Oh, a dude. Okay. Got it. (laughs) Um, So so I never really had to come out to them. um, And I was never really expected even to be cis by them of all the kind of poison fed to me um, from society. It didn't come from them. Um, I even remember when I got married, my father sent me, a uh, sort of a rock, a, a geode sculpture that was like half the geode was phallic shaped and then half of it was, um, you know, like the other half of the geode that's open and, and is an orifice uh, to, to explain the symbolism here. Very, very beautiful, pricey sculpture. And he included a note letting me know that he knew that my husband and I were not necessarily in a traditional gender-rolled marriage so that he wanted to know let me know that the symbolism was for the spirit of creation of our relationship and not intended to be a representation of our genders or wow. of fertility yeah, Go, Dad. oh, my, yeah God. my
0: daddy's amazing <laughs> <laughs> Rock star parent. I'm so yeah. jealous right now. <laughs>
2: I I wish like I I tell people all the time like if you don't have a great dad, my dad could be your dad. He's, yeah. he's like
0: old. I'll donate my dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and it's also kind of great like in this way because um you know no shame to any of us who who have complicated relationships with our parents, but it's like also really nice to know that they're like very like cool, healthy, new wave. Like yeah, relationships that are also like with people who are sex workers because there is like that trope like, oh, you have to be damaged or you whatever. have daddy
1: issues or you, you have, have mommy issues. issues. Your
0: parents didn't treat you right, and that's right. why.
1: And that's why you're here. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's absolutely. not always the case.
2: Yeah, of course, I get a lot of the positive, like, your parents are alternative and that's why you ended up like mm. this, and I'm like, well, yeah. you know, maybe, but at least You I let the gay into again. the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw my dad hook up with a guy, he had a guy over, um, or I would say a male-bodied person, because I, you know, of course, didn't know enough to ask anyone's pronouns or gender identity those days. But I asked him, are you bisexual? And he looked at me and he said, well, I just care about what's inside someone's heart and not what's in their pants. Aww. And, and I was like, you know, again, 13, 14, and so I was like, yeah, no one really talks like that, Dad. Like, that's <laughs> really weird. <laughs> Dad, no you're one, a freak. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like, that is like some sort of wholesome shit you're feeding me because I'm a kid and not how you really feel, clearly. But I didn't say that out loud. I was just like, yeah, okay. But here I am now, I'm pansexual, and I'm like, I care about what's in a person's heart and not in their pants or their gender presentation. And so I guess the apple really didn't fall far from the tree. I just wasn't, wasn't um, aware enough to, to understand that way of thinking yet.
0: Do your parents engage with your sex work at all? Like, are you, I mean, I, I guess, oh, I don't know, Lord. maybe I'm assuming that you're out to them because. Yeah.
2: So I am out to them. My, my dad doesn't engage with it at all, but he just treats it like it's a normal business. Like I remember Um, one time, you know, I was telling him about a new venue that I had for filming in and he was like, Oh, that's a great decision. You know, so many businesses collapse because they don't have the great location that they need. Um, you know, just, there's nothing weird about it to him. My mother, on the other hand, she, she and I have a more toxic relationship. She, uh, she's, uh, how would, how would I put this delicately? Um, (laughs) it's she, your choice to be
0: delicate yeah <laughs>
2: yeah yeah she she and I don't get along well we'll say that that's very delicate way of putting we don't get along very well and she was more judgmental of my sex work um but she did totally engage with it and like back in the day when I first started I was like 19 or so I was myspace famous Ooh, and Ooh, I'm what, uh,
0: myspace excuse me <laughs> oh
2: god yeah I'm really old um what
0: year was this, approximately?
2: 2006, 2005. Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, yeah. So I was
2: on there, and she like added me on there, and she would like comment on all my pictures. <laughs> oh. And, I was a super, like, bratty, entitled asshole back then. I mean, you know, <laughs> like, 18, 19, I got all these followers. Men are paying me so much money to fly out to them and buy these shoes. I was an asshole. Like, there's no way around it. I It was just – it's it's hard to be a teenager and be showered with money and attention and praise and not, not turn into an asshole. Mm. More power to all of those who managed it. I did not. I was a jerk. It was gross. Anyways, I mean, though, she used your to,
0: brain was not fully formed.
2: Yeah. It was really not. I, I think it was, like, barely formed from what I can tell when I back <laughs> at, like, things I wrote back then. But she would, like, go on by MySpace pictures. You know, I, I post some sort of, you know, equivalent of fuck you, pay me, whatever we used to say instead of that in 2006, mm-hmm. you know. And she'd be like, oh don't worry like they're not they're not that weird y'all they're just edgy you know like like making like little excuses for me and stuff and oh like gosh. you know commenting on my pictures like call me i miss you your mommy misses you baby oh. and i'd be like oh <laughs> stop
0: <laughs> Mom, why are you on MySpace? Oh my, Get off of my, 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 my space
1: <laughs> oh. wow. wow i'm just imagining that in like this time with like facebook and like <laughs> grandma I, or on my like post. <laughs> mom
0: on like OnlyFans. Oh my God. Oh, so <laughs>
2: uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And then my adoptive mother. So I've done some sex education, which I'm very burnt out on because doing particularly kink education, convention circuit, they don't pay you hardly at all. Certainly not a living wage. Like it's exhausting. People treat you like shit. I burnt out on it. Um, but the class that I was most known for was a class called Anal Sadism. That uh, was a anal like two hundred one, four hundred one class, you know, and uh, it had a, a slideshow. And my adoptive mother asked to see it.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> mm. Wait, she and she knew the title
2: yes oh yeah that's why she asked she was like maybe I should see it like I'm really proud of you and I was like oh I don't wow I love the support I love the
0: support
1: the gesture is nice
2: (laughs) yeah it was very sweet and um so like content warning to anyone listening that I'm going to mention alcohol abuse here um she was like I'm just gonna take a shot for every slide and I was oh. like we don't have to look at this and she's like no no honey I want to see this and she like just got a bottle of like rum or something and just sat there and like every time every slide she would just like, okay hold on
0: one second and then she'd like take a shot oh, oh my god man and your, yeah. your parents party
2: uh, she was she oh god did they ever oh god yeah <laughs> yeah wild hippie parties lord um, <sighs> Yeah. So, so yeah, she, uh, she got through the class. I mean, she got through the slideshow presentation. I think she saw more in the anal 401 class than she ever imagined was possible from the human body. And, uh, Wow.
0: You know, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> well, that seems like, both a beautiful and and complicated relationship with mm. your parents and your sex work. Um,
0: it's interesting because, like, you know, usually uh, the barriers are different, you know? Like, mm. the boundaries are on their end. Like, I don't want to know about something. But, like, in this case, it sounds like you have to, like, enforce, like, you don't need to know <laughs> <laughs> boundaries. <laughs> or, or, like, please don't look at my work boundaries. <laughs>
2: Yeah, a little bit. I don't think they'd look at it like I don't think they'd go onto like, you know, one of my actual platforms and look at it, you know, on my space, it's pretty safe for work. I will say, though, that they also grew up with me being a very wild teenager. So they had to, you know, unfortunately, hear the things that I would one day film happening upstairs in my bedroom through thin walls, they probably were, you know, well, um,
0: they were well, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how have your clients taken this shift um, with your pronouns? And I don't know if your presentation has changed at all since you came out. Um, yeah,
0: and have you v- yeah. found that it's like affected who you've attracted?
2: So I will say. That I laid some of the groundwork to come out before I did. Even though I was intending to stay in the closet as long as I could, I started putting my toes in the water. And what I started doing uh, a few years before I came out is I started presenting the way I look in real life in my stories on Instagram and Facebook, as opposed to the very femme and made up pictures, you know? And so this was just me sort of dipping my toes in the water of like, okay, so like I'm wearing lingerie and pearls and lipstick and red nail polish while I'm, you know, doing naughty things on camera. But in my Instagram stories, I'm rebuilding a car in my, you know, dirty jeans and rib knit um, tank top. And I think that I signaled enough of my queerness that I started to attract this little crowd of non-binary fans and trans fans a couple years ago. Um, and some of it I think too, is the fact that I was so vocally supportive of trans and queer issues, um, that they probably felt safe with me. So I had sort of this this one fan base that was like mostly older cis white men, and then this little fan base of like 20 something, you know, assorted gender non-conforming, queer kinksters um, sort of bubbling. And so I, I noticed that market and I started, you know, sort of slowly edging some content out for them too. So I did kind of lay the groundwork. That said, um, coming out to what's kind of my bread and butter of clientele has been a tougher ride. And I'm still kind of going through that because, you know, with COVID and everything, I haven't been seeing people in real time. And so it's kind of delayed a lot of those conversations. Uh, I will say that I had the sweetest conversation with one of them recently who, um, asked to call me and he was catching me up on his life because we hadn't talked in a couple years. And he said to me, uh, I noticed that you came out as uh, gender fluid. Now, gender fluid is not actually how I identify, but I, it's a lot closer than I thought he would get to this concept. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, I did. And I sort of like held my breath waiting. And he said, well, congratulations. That's great. And I, I guess he could hear the surprise in my voice when I said, thank you. And he laughed a little. He said, did you think I was going to have a bad reaction to that? and i said well um
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> i know
2: that in your culture um this sort of thing may be even weirder than the other things i do because my client is a hasidic jew mm. and
0: he said he's already breaking a rule right here like (laughs) he's already broken several rules (laughs)
2: yes he is yes he is he breaks a lot of those for me um (laughs) i'm sure but, but he said to me um to be honest with you my culture yes would probably think it's a sin but i became more open to these concepts because i've met you And because you talk about issues like this, I think you opened my mind to them. And he said, look, I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning, decides to be gay or trans. I think that's how you were made. And I think that it takes a lot of bravery to live your truth. And I'm happy and proud. I know if I wasn't such a tough old
1: asshole I would have cried I was like oh yeah that's so sweet that's amazing to like have that kind of client validate because I mean I don't know about you or uh, you Selena but like I have gotten a lot of my confidence from doing sex work like feeling validated in my body feeling valid in like my skin color like the fact that like people want to pay to like see my body or like to have me do things to them um I get a lot of validation that way a lot of confidence boost and so to like have somebody validate you in that way and pay you um (laughs) I assume can feel very uh um good yeah oh yeah I mean a part of why I
2: felt brave enough to really start coming out at work not just in like oh here are my pronouns but I'm going to start looking a little different and I'm going to start acting a little different and really enforcing how people treat me and interact with me um was because I got on Grindr
0: oh my gosh
2: yeah I got on Grindr a couple years ago before pandemic and my friend, who's an absolute dog, um, was like, you have to get on grinder just to see what they're doing on there. They're doing really wild stuff. And I was like, What are you talking about? I do wild stuff like in the back room right now. Like there's there's nothing <laughs> wild on Grinder. He said, no, no, you have to just get on there. And I was like, well, isn't that app for gay guys? And he was like, yeah, but they opened it up to like all queer people, and there's tons of trans people, and there's couples. Oh, I um, didn't know that they
0: like opened it up properly. Am they I did.
2: Just- they did a few years back. Um, and there's actually a huge non-binary and trans community here in Atlanta on there. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, at first I just made a profile, and that was totally blank just to see what was going on but like while i was on this app i was like you know i'm i'm on this app for free i'm not going to like perform gender for them like that's this you you're not paying me so i don't have to do that and so i just you know i put like my genuine pronouns and my genuine like you know gender identity on there eventually and a few pictures and What was shocking to me was two things. One was how accepting and nice everyone was. Um, There was definitely like some confused cis dudes who would message me and like try to misgender me. Uh, And I would tell them Mm -hmm. like, that's not okay. And they would usually correct their language. Like they really just needed like a reminder or like information. Hmm. But there was this a lot more people on there who are either already aware of sort of like non-binary genders or trans people in general. And there were a ton of people who were like me. So I actually through Grindr met two different non-binary co-stars that I filmed with now. Um, one of them was a hookup and then wanted to be on camera. And the other one was another content creator. who's just like, Hey, um, And I've also um, dated a trans girl off there, like a whole ass fucking relationship. Wow, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I have this thing because I'm, of course, like a player and not super into settling down that everyone I meet is like. I need to settle you
0: down um, <laughs> Yo it's I like, feel like that's just what happens Whenever you're not looking for a relationship Like,
2: Yes they I treat swear. it like a challenge Yeah they're
0: just like, they're like Oh I'm gonna wrangle you
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, Exactly it's like threatening To them then um, yeah. But anyway so I had like a whole ass relationship On there and I met like a lot of cool people But the other thing that I noticed Is there were a fuck ton of cis dudes Who were like I'll pay you to come over here I'll do anything you want <laughs> what <laughs> oh yeah tons of them I didn't talk to any of them because they were terrifying
0: but um, well, what, not, did they, is, what were they thinking they were going to get like I'm just I want to know the mindset of this Oh <laughs> my God. well I'm a lot of them recognize me which was also
2: like super tickling for my ego because I have face pictures up there um, so a lot of people have messaged me It'd be like are you who I think you are and I'd be like why well, yes I am <laughs> Um, so like there are a lot of fans on there Who already knew who I was And so that was part of the clamoring But the other part of it was just like There's a lot of lonely fucking people out there Who are not getting laid right at all Like not even a little Yeah I I actually posted on Twitter at one point And I was like Twitter I'm gonna have to quit my job There's a lot of people on Grindr Who just really need to get laid correctly Like right now <laughs> uh, Goodbye <laughs> I have work to do um, but yeah, there's just like, there's, I think that people who are enthusiastic about sex and actually know how to have kinky sex are, um, oddly rare in a lot of people's lives. And there was a fuck ton of demand for a super like queer non-binary, um, sexual deviant. And when I saw that, I was like, Ooh, wow, so I can monetize this without presenting as a cis girl. That sounds mm-hmm. fucking great. And uh, kind of gave me the, the courage to believe there was a market for me still.
1: Yeah, I think that at least mainstream sex industry people don't believe there is a market in, amongst like queers or amongst non-binary or trans people and or trans people. Yeah. Um, and like, that's just not the case. I, and I think it's the same for like black people. Like, I don't think that they value like the black dollar, like they value the white dollar or they value the straight and, you know, uh cis dollar, like they value the queer dollar. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really unfortunate because there is a huge market.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. absolutely.
2: I, I have a huge fan base of, um, um, queer and trans people and um cis lesbians as well mm-hmm. um and i also possibly related i have a really large market of people of color as well um which i know because a lot of people who buy my videos specifically tell me um your co-star is such and such ethnicity and i'm such and such ethnicity so i was actually able to imagine myself better in this scene um which wow, is that's great it's amazing to hear amazing
1: you hear that, white performers? Um, if you shoot with people of color, you're gonna get uh, muddy. Yeah,
0: yeah. You uh, might be surprised. People like, want to see themselves. Because it's a real thing.
2: It's real. Yeah.
1: I think for a long time in the industry, I think it was like really taboo to shoot with at least black people, um, because yeah. it was like seen as like you know dirtying or like yeah. devaluing your body. Even though you're doing, you're doing, you know, you're stretching your butthole and like, you know, with other people, why would it be any different with a black person or a and person of color?
0: Exactly. And it's also just like, you know, everybody was fucking black
1: people in private. <sighs> right like yeah so yeah um so
0: i want to quickly you know what we've gone so far into this interview but we haven't actually talked about what you do (laughs) 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 so if in your own words could you describe like all of the different things that you do within the world of sex work Yes, it's gonna be uh, a lot. Um,
2: So I am a content creator, and I'm also a professional dom. And for me, I've been doing this for 15 years. So a lot of my professional domination work is long distance training and phone stuff. I don't actively seek real time clients very often anymore. um, Because I'm incredibly lazy and spoiled And of that. I have like a, a so-called stable of like 20 or 30 people who just do what I say. Um, wow. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Yeah. I'm very, very well taken care of and spoiled in that way. Um, you know, they're not like all millionaires with private jets, but they're good people who, you know, book sessions and actually listen to me as opposed to, um, you know, like kind of, kind of playing a role that they want to bottom for. Um, so I get a little, I get a little spoiled by how how well they listen. Um, and my content creation is super meaningful to me. I um, I like to show lifestyle BDSM and uh, some fetish work in a context of. Um, consent and diversity so my co-stars are not all cis and they're not all um, you know thin and they're not all white you know I don't discriminate who I shoot with based off of you know um, what they look like or how many followers they have even Um, I like to shoot with people who have similar kinks and passions to me and that I get along with and I feel like my work is more what I call amateur, which in this case I don't mean that I'm not making money off of it or that I don't put like labor into making it that I should be compensated for, but rather that I shoot more of um kind of documentary style where I film scenes that are happening as opposed to like scripting a scene and recording it as a story.
0: So what are your favorite kinks? What are your personal kinks? And then what are your favorite kinks to shoot? And
1: if there are too many, top top five. Top five.
0: <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you prefaced that, yeah. Cory, Because you're yeah, like, you I know, gonna, there can be too many. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I will kind of break this down pretty easily here. I really enjoy a feeling of in my play, and the way that that can manifest itself could just be all over. Like I, um, I enjoy giving people instructions and having them followed. I enjoy manipulating people's bodies. Uh, I enjoy manipulating their behaviors. Uh, so some of my specialties that I'm probably most well known for on camera are uh, lactation training and who cow play. Um, Wait,
0: wait, okay, let's pause for a second. (laughs) Lactation, cow play, moo cow play. Um, Are they people who are already lactating ahead of time, or do you facilitate a lactation situation? (laughs) So I have ranged all
2: over the place with that. I have filmed with people who are lactating, and then I milk them. I milk them real good. I have also... um, you know, actually begun the steps of inducing lactation in people. Well, well, okay. okay.
0: Okay. How? How? (laughs)
2: <laughs> how <laughs> but before i get to that though let me say there's also sometimes some camera magic going on mm. um which is like role play where like i begin the steps of you know i do say lactation and then they're like oh no my milky boobs like <laughs> you <laughs> know we do play it up a little bit because it would be really hard to like film like the whole process of inducing lactation is a real pain in the ass and no one's going to film all that like it's just it's hard enough getting someone to actually do it um Mm -hmm. so um if you would like to induce lactation in yourself and you are not going to um have a child come out of your uterus you need to acquire um the hormones that induce lactation on the black market which I am oh. not advocating that you do at any point. But if you Whoa. if you were oh. gonna do that, there's groups on Fat Life for it.
0: Um <laughs> 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 yes.
2: You also you need you need someone to nurse on your titties um like eight times a day and this like in case you don't have someone just hanging out to like nurse on your titties all day uh, and breast pump right you can pump. exactly <laughs> yeah you could get a breast pump for that but like having someone nurse on your titties would would, would be better um and i'm not just saying that because i'm a perv like it really it does work better um so having like a, a willing and interested partners is helpful wow um and then there's also like a lot of supplements you could eat like um oatmeal and malt and uh, basically I'd say like a a brown ale is pretty much perfect actually and I'm not just I'm not just making that up like really there's like a whole bunch of ales that are just perfect for making big milky titties um yeah and
0: wow yeah I just and, I have learned so much right now oh, I it's, it's like gonna amazed. get so much worse
2: it just keeps coming um, and, oh yeah um,
0: so okay the other- I have a- Oh, sorry. The other sorry. thing I'll
2: say is that on, on film, there's often a, a magic breast massage cream that appears that induces the lactation. But that's not usually a, a thing in real life. It's just a little, little bit of film magic slash psychological play, you know. I usually, mm. I usually use like a tingly massage oil so that it actually gives a feeling of like the tissues are are swelling and becoming more sensitive, which you know, people be like, oh my god, I think I'm gonna lactate, you know. So it's it's like a little mind fuck too.
0: So okay, I have additional questions. Um, <laughs> one question for like AMAB people, do you milk a AMABs sometimes? Yeah. Oh,
2: and you yeah, make especially. do they do
0: they lactate? Yeah, they can. And so, not just if they're on E. Yeah, well, so
2: what you really need in order to induce lactation is the hormone um, that that tells your, your tits to get milky. Um, I think it would probably depend on that person's natural testosterone levels. And the reason why I say that is because I happen to know of some people who have low testosterone and have accidentally, you know, taken the right amount of supplements that ended up with some drops of milk coming out when they're not even trying to. Um, whereas other people would probably need to need to be taking um, estrogen. And um, I've actually heard of, of some trans women who are on estrogen and um, I guess progesterone um, and end up just producing producing milk actually on their own without trying to. So wow. you know, bodies are wild. Bodies are wild. Oh, my That's God. Cool. Actually, that ex-girlfriend that I mentioned that I met off Grindr, she would, like, lactate a little bit accidentally.
0: Um like, all the time. Yeah. I think I, like, whenever I was, like, a young teen, I think I would lactate a little bit. Yeah. Like I think I that
1: it. that's a thing that happens when you're going
0: through puberty. When you're going through puberty, because I would have, like, little white discharge coming out of my nipples, and it would be like, yeah. the hell? <laughs>
1: some, people,
2: <laughs> some people just do that, you know? It's just bodies are wild, you know? And wow. we all have the natural capacity to do that if we, you know, if we... Want to or, you know, if you have a baby.
0: So yeah. have have you – do you ever make yourself lactate? I do not. I am not a person
2: who likes to have a lot of breast play on myself to begin with, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a good choice for me. If I could just, like, press a button and have it come out like a soda fountain, I'd be fine with that. But all that pumping and sucking and massaging yeah. is
1: too much. I
0: just was wondering mostly just as, like, a non-binary person if that would, like – You know cause dysphoria for you I probably would I mean I think it probably
2: Depends on the context um, But it's not something That's ever occurred to me to try before so There's a lot of things that I like That do cause dysphoria though so you know Sometimes Mm. if you're horny Enough it just doesn't matter anymore
1: Mm, I feel you on that (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I get that Um, But you talked a little bit about Cow play and a funny story i've done this uh this is like three years ago i got to like milk somebody while uh moo by doja cat was playing.
0: bitch on my cow
1: <laughs> oh my god and it was fabulous the penultimate of experiences
0: <laughs> how did oh, you yeah. find
1: out that you were into lactation play or cow play Wow, so
2: that's gonna anime. be a thing. No. <laughs> Oh God, no! So I like I like titties. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot As of people, like most titties. people do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: Titties are amazing. They're just hard to go wrong. <laughs> And, you know, it's not even one of those things. Like, I'm not like, ooh, I'm going to go out and find some titties. But, like, if someone puts their titties in my face, like, the world just stops. Like, I don't have <laughs> any control over what happens for after a little while. Like, you could just take my wallet. You could just whatever. Like, I just – I'm helpless. It's just overwhelming love of the boobie. Um, when I was younger, and I'm not going to say how much younger exactly, but much younger than I should have been, I had an ex-girlfriend who had a child – um, who who was nursing, and so she would often lactate while we were fully grown. And I just I didn't fetishize it back then. It was just a natural thing that was happening with her body. So we were hanging out with a male friend, and he was like asking what breast milk tastes like. And all of a sudden she was just like, "Do you just want to try it?" And she just like squirted some out on a spoon and fed it to him. And and I definitely fetishized that moment. I'm not sure why that like pushed it over for me, but I was just like, Oh wow. Like that, kind that's of a boss move. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty hot. Um, but anyway, so like skip forward several years and, um, I don't even really know exactly how I got there. Like it evolved in little stages, right? Like first it was, you know, I'm playing with breast pumps and like, Oh, this is fun. And then it was like, you know, um, I learned about the process of using saline to inflate breasts to a large size. So when you do okay, that, wait, 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 actually... okay.
0: I need, um, how, where, um, aside from <laughs> implants.
2: Yeah. So it's, so it's medical grade saline, saline. And, um, you literally just, basically create a under the skin um pocket of it using a needle and it disperses into the skin and absorbs like 8 to 12 hours later um and during the time that it's in the skin it makes your breasts fuller and it's totally sterile it's um harmless it's actually a way that you can um like do emergency rehydration of people who can't drink water so it's like a real medical procedure um but you could do it to titties or testicles or i guess if you wanted to like like you know just someone's ankle to be like an asshole i guess but um usually
0: it's, <laughs> usually it's just breasts or t- testicles yeah this is a blow-up my ankles
1: i know for a little bit like uh putting um saline in the forehead and then pressing in the middle to make like a donut was like yeah. a thing that yeah. was very popular. Yeah. Um,
0: Oh, um, yeah early aughts what a time <laughs> to be alive <laughs>
2: and so like like most things that i end up filming it became such a big deal because people bought the shit out of it like the more i did the more people bought um
0: so yeah that's that's one of my big markets wow um could you tell list more? Because every time you list out a new kink, I have yeah. questions, and I'm okay. very excited. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, so um, the the next thing I'm most well known for is, um, and we're gonna put little slashes between each thing just to sort of describe them here. Um, large insertions slash pegging slash fisting. Um, okay.
1: okay well you go first You go wait first. Okay. okay So, <laughs> for me pegging is such like a strange like term and mm-hmm. i want your feelings on this as like another non-binary person pegging is just anal
2: yes agreed i just call it fucking yeah, yeah like
1: okay that that was my first
2: and only question. however i sure as fuck will tag it pegging for that sweet traffic mm-hmm. like yeah yeah that's I how mean- you
0: You gotta get the traffic one way or another We all use the words that we don't like For the traffic
2: Um, Yeah.
0: But okay I've seen a picture of one of your dildos And it's so big Oh
2: thank you I like to hear
0: that It's it's really big, it's like an arm I get that a lot, thank you (laughs) Um, Who How um, Who wants That normally and how do you prepare them and are they i mean they do they spend a lot of time anal training before having a session with you most of them do and what i'm going to say is that i am not
2: discriminatory about what holes i train and so like people with vaginas can accept incredibly large objects into their vaginas babies well yes as well as um anal cavities um so you see a lot of anal because that's what people love to buy um but a lot of people who have a passion for that kind of thing tend to stay anally trained not Mm. all of them which is very um stressful Sometimes when they're like, "Hey, will you fit this baseball bat in my ass?" and I'm like, "Well, how long has it been since you stretched?" and they're like, "About six years ago." and I'm like, "Oh well, my God, <laughs> we may have some difficulties today." I'm not promising anything. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty good, but I'm not that good, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of it also depends on the size of the person and their natural sort of elasticity. Because I know some people who honestly don't have to train that often to accept a fist like <laughs> they just they're just they got a big old hole they got a big they got hole. a big old hole mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i think that's interesting because like i've dated like a lot of very tall people for whatever reason like i think like six foot is probably like my average and like they often can take like fisting yeah like, you know, whatever, like it's, it's Tuesday. Sure. Um, (laughs) yeah, exactly. But in like the, the rare cases where I've dated, like some of my own height or shorter, like it takes a lot to do that or they just are not interested in that at all.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, literal different strokes for different folks. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) It's, it's very proportional. Although I will say I've had some, some real tiny motherfuckers who gobble up my whole arm. So, you know, it just depends. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so okay, we we're gonna talk about the scene that you recently did um in, with an all in cast and yeah. how did that come about? Uh tell us all about it. How did it feel?
2: That's great. So I did a cuck holding scene with <laughs> only other non-binary people, and I was the quote unquote bull
1: in the scene. How did you come about all these people to be involved with?
0: And how many people? How many people was this? So what happened was,
2: is that last year before COVID, I was talking to a non-binary human um, about filming with them. And, um, you know, we both recently got vaccinated. So we went ahead and filmed, you know, a year and a half later. Uh, And they had, Said you know my partner's available And could also film with us And I said oh okay what are they um, You know what kind of content are you thinking And they were like well what about a three way Scene like we could do like a cuckolding scene And I was like a cuckolding Mm. Hmm." And they were like well we'll like with you As the top in the scene And I was like oh
0: Oh yeah (laughs) I want to know your thoughts
2: on cuckolding too by the way I think that Cuckolding is not a fetish for me because I don't typically bottom to penetration. It's not a hard limit for me, but I don't really get off on it. And I don't have a psychological fulfillment for me. So Do you I feel
0: like you have to like that. It has to be like a woman or a fab person getting fucked for it to be cuckolding. So here's
2: the thing is that most people, when they talk about cuckolding, it's centered around the pleasure of the submissive man in the scene. So the traditional cuckolding dynamic is very much there's a man who is being cuckolded to a woman and another man is going to fuck her. And in that moment, most of the time, the other man and the woman in the scene are... Objectified highly To the point where They could be anyone Or anything going
1: on Um, So um, I also think that it's like a very It can be a very like racialized Thing where you have like A black other man Who's ah, fucking the white wife And it's
0: like You know The impotent white man just sits in the corner and But also kind of gets off on it Yeah
2: right and like i like when i fit into that dynamic i mean here's the question is is this this submissive cuckold going to get off if i wear the strap and fuck the dude like is he going to get off if i um you know if what I want to get off on on that day is having my strap on sucked by some guy picked up in a bar. What if it's a woman? Is it going to be the same level of, you know, erotic shame for him? Mm-hmm. So in the scene that we did, we really did act it out as if it was a traditional cuckolding scene in of that. Um, my co-partner Rose was making out with, um, you know their actual partner queerful and um in the scene unbuttoned their pants and found a little tiny little chastity cage in the pants and, and said oh that is not going to work for me and like went out into the hallway and just dragged me into the bedroom with my giant strap on um and Like we did the whole scene with just like a gentle, like small penis humiliation theme, like nothing extreme, but just like, you know, Rose saying things like, oh my God, yes, this is so much bigger and so much better, you know, um, occasionally. And, uh, I felt like it was very deliciously subversive, not just in of that, you know, here I am you know fucking this person's partner but also it was like kind of in a way saying um fuck you to the normal dynamics of this sort of scene you know um i'm very interested to see because it's not even edited yet if anyone's actually gonna buy it or for what reasons you know what are they gonna feel you know when they're seeing i mean
0: hot (laughs) we'll be like ooh, yeah (laughs) yum 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 something that's special
1: yeah I'm always craving strap-on scenes. Like, I don't think there's, like, enough strap-on scenes on the internet, for me at least. Or if there are, like, they're really bad at strap-on like, fucking. It's usually, like, it's usually fake a lot lesbians. Of that. Yeah. And the strap-on, like, I know the strap-on isn't built well. <laughs> and I'm just yeah, like... Yeah, I could can,
2: I can see when I watch those strap-on scenes, who's enjoying it and who's not as a top. Because... The tops that don't really enjoy it and they are just doing it for the visuals or for the other person, they usually do not intimately touch their partner. So, like, Mm -hmm. when I'm fucking someone, I reach out, I grab their hips, I grab their love handles, I, like, pull them into me and grind – and, mm-hmm. you know, in porn, you do have to like angle your hips back so the camera can like see the thrusting and stuff. It's a little awkward. Yeah. But I do still like make the effort to try to like uh, feel the other person's body against me mm-hmm. to the extent so that I can. And you yeah, can Yeah, with see... your
0: giant monster cock. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that makes it better.
0: That does make it. <laughs> better.
2: Um, and then, you know. I see these videos where there's someone, you know, strapping someone down and they're like doing everything they can to like stay away from their bottom to like not even like not get near the the wetness of the bottom. Like just like Mm -hmm. you, like if they could have like a whole body condom or like do it on the end of (laughs) (laughs) it, I think they would feel more
1: comfortable. I mean um, that's kind of hot too.
0: Though.
1: Yeah, that can be totally That's a hot different, different kind of hot. Yeah. yeah,
0: different yeah. fetish. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm uh, into that stuff
2: too, so I get it. But like, yeah, when you're like fucking someone, you gotta fuck them.
1: Right. Uh, uh, okay. Well, we're coming up on the end. And I'm, I'm so grateful talking to you and yes. I would love to have you on again, but thank you so much. Can you tell us where we can find you on the interwebs or where are yeah. you in
2: the world? Yeah, absolutely. So if you would like to see me putting large objects into people and, or making them lactate and have big milky titties, you could go to Scary.com and note that scary is spelt with a K. So it's S K A R Y. Um, and if you would like to just see my discourse, my political notions, me screaming about the madness of transphobia in the world, uh, I am Alice Scary on Twitter with no spaces or underscores or
0: hyphens. Lovely. Corey,
1: where are you? Um, you can find me at the goddess Corey. On Instagram, on Twitter I'm really not active right now though I'm. So, I, I'm
0: Corey's got a life you I guys. have like a
1: whole ass life Corey has an apartment
0: I Corey's do. got a job
1: Yeah, like, you know, but you can still Hit me up, I still have a, a Milkshake, it brings the boys to the yard uh, And in that You can find links to how to book me Because I'm taking In-person sessions Wow Yeah what a
0: dream. <laughs> you guys, you could get in on this dream. Yes. Don't miss out. Don't. <laughs> um, I'm Selena the Stripper. You can find me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can uh, find our podcast on Instagram at Ho in the Know. You can follow my Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. Um, and uh, I, uh, uh, I think that might be it, actually. I mean, I could... Well, you-
1: you rate, comment, subscribe. Rate,
0: comment, subscribe, please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate us. Give us five stars. Yes. Tell us what you'd like to do to us, even if that's <laughs> give us a high five and talk ab- about how great you know yeah. it is to hear other sex workers talk about their work yes. in a way that isn't salacious or asking for slow titty shots or something. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, and that's it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Of having the note and I hope that you have a very slutty week. Yes, bye bye, bye bye. money, I want your money. I want more money.